Oh, oh, this is a good one. This is a great comment. Oh, this is a great comment. Thank you. Thank you. Can you discuss how racism is a necessity of capitalism? Okay. Okay. So here's the deal, right? First of all, rewind. You're European. The year is like 17, whatever. You just discovered a new continent. And guess what? Tobacco, cotton, these new crops. Uh-oh, where's the labor supply going to come for this? We have a capitalist economy built on consumer production, and we have all these new cash crops. But who's going to grow it? There's no labor supply. Okay, slavery becomes a necessity then, right? Because you've got to get somebody to grow it. That made the most economic sense. Of course it made the most economic sense. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it, right? I'm sure it took a lot of effort for them to, to like transport the slaves over there. If it was more efficient to just use wage labor, they would have done that instead. So when people try and talk about how like actually slavery was bad for the economy, bullshit. They wouldn't have done it if they didn't have to. Okay, so you've got slavery, right? this system that was obviously slavery was around yeah like the african practice of slavery was a thing but not the like chattel slavery like plantation style slavery right that you saw in like the encomienda system in south america and the plantation system in north america that was necessitated or you know, given rise to or whatever because of the economy that was forming of, you know, the exchange of goods and services over um, to Europe, you know, the triangle trade, uh, you know, goods in the south, like cotton being produced and then finished goods in the north, right? In other words, modern industrial capitalism needed slavery to exist okay fast forward a little more slavery's over now right let's say it's like maybe 1960 i don't know uh here's the thing though people they're getting a little antsy they want civil rights and this mlk guy ooh, he doesn't have very good ideas on economics either he is putting dangerous ideas into people's heads. He's making them think that maybe, maybe a, a better future is possible. And we cannot have that, right? Because the people are actually starting to band together to demand change. How do you stop people from banding together like that, right? From trying to improve society at the expense of the ruling class if necessary. How do you do that? You divide people by race, right? They want to keep us divided by race. It is in their benefit to keep us racially divided because if we weren't fighting along the axis of race, people might start thinking about class. They might start getting ideas in their heads that are a little funky. They might start getting ideas in their heads that aren't allowed, right? So 
right now, you got a poor redneck in the South. He can blame all his problems on Mexicans and he thinks whites are the master race. Awesome. That's great for you because he's not going to look at his boss. He's not going to look at global capitalism and recognize the problem. He thinks that Mexicans are stealing his job. That's what he thinks and good. You have every incentive to keep it that way because as long as he thinks that some Mexican is trying to come over and steal his job, he's not going to consider the actual reason the gears are turning like this. So yeah, capitalism breeds racism. It is necessary to keep people divided on the axis of race so that they don't start thinking about class. And of course, there is race-based action that is actually necessary, right? When you have racial injustice in a society, you need to address that. But as long as they keep people fighting about race, that's just the best deal for them, right? Because, and another thing, they'll even blame a lot of their economic problems on race, right? Because what do white supremacists say? They always talk about the Jews. They think that they're the problem, right? But obviously it's not them. It, it has nothing to do with them. It's about capitalism. But they think that it's just this one group of people who's doing capitalism wrong, right? And if like the right group of people were running the show, that things would be good again? Of course that's ridiculous. But it really, really serves the people in power to uh, keep people thinking like that because then they're not going to consider anything else. So thank you again for that comment. Do you believe race is a social construct? Okay, yeah, this is an interesting one too. So yeah, I do think race is a social construct to a certain extent. So let me explain what I mean here. Like, like what makes someone a certain race, right? Because it's like, if someone's like, say, half Asian and half white, are they Asian? Like, or are they white? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, where's the line? This thing is like completely fluid. Uh, what we also the lines we draw around race are not set in stone. They've shifted over time completely. For example, you know, Irish people and Italians would not have been viewed as white a hundred years ago, say. Uh, you know, Polish people like Slavs, they, they weren't considered white. Yeah, like what is race even? Is it skin color? Because, you know, you got like albino people. So I don't know if race is necessarily a social construct then. I just think the way that we measure race is a lot more fluid than a lot of people would like to think. That being said, I do acknowledge race as concept does act in our society, right? So when I say that it's a social construct, I'm not saying we should then ignore race as a factor because everyone sort of knows, knows it when they see it, right? I'm clearly a white guy, you know? I'm, I'm pasty over here. Uh, so... I'm not saying we should ignore race. I'm just saying like 
anybody who like uh obsesses over race like these these like white identitarian people these weirdos who are like super obsessed with like the white race uh <laughs> these dudes will be like straight up irish right and like talking about like the superiority of their race like what dude you wouldn't even go in a time machine right you couldn't even get hired 100 years ago <laughs> so uh it's like yeah um uh, i think is yeah it's like a social construct but so are like a lot of things you know that that we uh like money is a social construct doesn't necessarily make it any less real taxation equals theft mindset what are your thoughts so people will yeah no people will definitely try and use that one right they'll say taxation is inherently theft because it's coercive um i mean i guess in a technical sense it's true but like uh, government is basically a contract, right, between citizens and uh, and the government. Like, that's the implicit social contract that you agree to when you, like, are in a society, you know, when you live in a society. Uh, you, can, you can go somewhere where there's, like, no state, I guess. Like, Somalia is a pretty good example of that, but obviously... People wouldn't really want to live there. Um, or you can just go to like Greenland or like northern Canada or something. Like uh, you probably won't be bothered too much up there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's such a stupid argument. Like I I heard I heard Steven Crowder talking about this too. He was like, yeah, pe- like socialists want free health care. Well, how are you going to enforce that? That's right. Through the barrel of a gun. And it's like yeah, that's how all government policies are enforced. Like, that's just the concept of a government is that they have a monopoly on violence. So, yeah, taxation is theft. I mean, yeah, all government action is inherently coercive because the state has a monopoly on violence. That's just what a state is. So, I mean, I guess you could say that, but you're going to have to argue against the concept of a state if you're going to say that taxation is theft. Taxation is needed to build infrastructure so the citizens can run their own businesses. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what people will say, right, is that taxation should just be for the most, like, bare, bare essentials. Like, I I don't know. I, I think that healthcare is definitely an essential, though, right? Like, housing and, and food is definitely an essential. So... If roads are essential, I, I would think health services would also be essential. You can't buy anything in northern Canada, though. Everything is, is so expensive because the transport that gets. Yeah, I mean, right, because they don't have a society there, right? Like, it's hard to make goods when you don't have a society. So, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the point, right? Like, yeah, if you don't want a state, you can go up to northern Canada. But since there's no roads... You can't really transport goods. And since there's no like society and like industry, you can only rely on what you can make yourself. So yeah, we do need a a state to organize action. We need an apparatus that can harness 
the energies of people and actually bring them together to create something that's more than just the sum of its parts. Because if everybody were to just go on their own in the wilderness, uh, you probably wouldn't be able to make much, right? I'm not much of a survivalist. Uh, I can make a fire, you know, I can maybe set up some traps. That's probably it though. I, there's no chance I'm making like uh, a pencil or, you know, even a, a smartphone. That's that's way outside of my capabilities. Uh, but when you have state apparatus and an economy, you can put together different inputs, you can organize labor, and boom, I'm transmitting to all of you over, you know, hundreds of miles possibly on, on you know, this device. It's amazing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm not really down with anarchism because I don't really think it's, I don't really think it makes sense to organize things along those lines. It doesn't yield itself to productivity. John Ossoff. Uh, what are my thoughts on John Ossoff? I don't know. He was the guy who got elected in Georgia just now, right? I mean, you know, I, I just think it's kind of funny that they, they were really hammering home those $2,000 checks in their runoffs, right? In their runoff elections. They were promising everybody, we're going to get you those checks. We're going to get you those $2,000 checks. Now, They've whittled it down to fourteen hundred, right? And now they're even saying that's not enough. So they're gonna like income test it to try and limit it even further. So yeah, I mean would hate to see those guys not deliver, you know? That that would be that would just be too bad. What do you think of left wing nationalism? Nationalism is is bad no matter who is doing it, um, because being proud of your nation is stupid. I'm proud of my country, but I'm not proud of like my nation. I'm not proud of like my government, right? I'm proud of my country. I'm proud of like, you know, freedom and like, like freedom of speech and like the values that we have, but I'm not like a fan of the US government, right? Like, that's just stupid. Um, so, yeah, I would encourage being patriotic uh, because, look, here's the thing. Conservatives will always say, like, if you don't like America, you can leave, which is stupid, right? Like, no, I'm not going to leave. It's my country, too. But if you genuinely, like, don't think that the U.S. is like salvageable at all yeah like you might as well try and get out right because like there's no hope for the country um but if you think that we do actually have the chance to make things better which i happen to believe then you might as well you know take a little pride in your country and just you know yeah you know we haven't been the greatest in the past we've made mistakes but i think we can overcome that and make the future better. Yet, when I come to when it comes to state-funded healthcare, I don't think it would work in the USA. Why not? Why would it not work in the USA? 
right? I mean, yeah, it that is just bizarre to me, you know? People will, like, oh, yeah, it works overseas. It works in Sweden. It works in Norway, Denmark. I just don't think it would work here. Why wouldn't it work here? We have the largest economy in the world, right? Or maybe second largest or second largest economy in the world, depending on what metrics you use. We have pretty much all the natural resources you could ask for. We lead the world in innovation in terms of like healthcare. I don't see why we couldn't pull this off. And honestly, that's where I'm going to have to be a little patriotic, right? And say, no, I think the U.S. can pull this off. We sent people to the moon, all right? If we can send people to the moon, if we can send rovers to Mars, if we can send probes out into space, I think we can make sure that all of our citizens are healthy. They've already done it in other countries. The blueprint already exists, right? We just have to follow their lead. And of course, I would have preferred that we stepped up and pioneered this, but I understand that's not possible now because they've already done it for us. The good news, though, is that hard work is already done. They've already done that, right? They've already figured out how to do it. We just have to implement what they're doing, right? And we might have to tailor it for the U.S. a little bit, but I think we, I think we can do this. I'm optimistic. Do you think stimulus checks should be based on income? Lower class gets more or vice versa? Um, I just think that would be impossible to test, right? It's already going to be a nightmare if they like cap off the stimulus checks at a certain income point. So just like making it a sliding scale, it would be such a nightmare to try and get the checks out to everybody based on like uh, their income and like what we've deemed that they need that I think it's probably better to just say, yeah, everybody gets a check. I mean, the better thing to do would just be to have services to make sure everyone's taken care of, right? This is why I prefer services over like Yang style UBI, which is basically what this is. Um, But if we're going to go the stimulus route, I don't think there's a way to like realistically make sure that it's like income tested. Should we abolish private insurance completely or give a, a option for public and option for private? Okay, public option is an interesting one. Um, and I, I think that's probably like the compromise solution in a lot of people's minds. The problem with a, a, a public option is that if you have a two-tiered system, right, a public system and then a private system run by insurance, the wealthy are always going to figure out a way to siphon resources from the public system and make sure their tier is better. Whereas if you make sure everyone knows this is our healthcare system, this is our one healthcare system, this is what you got, then the incentive structure changes. When everyone uses the same healthcare system, Everyone has an incentive to make sure that that healthcare system runs as smoothly as possible, is as efficient as possible, offers as many services as they need. Whereas, like I said, on the other hand, if you have 
a public system and a private system, of course you're going to see, you know, public and private hospitals. They're always going to be trying. I don't want my tax dollars going to going to fund somebody's, you know, whatever like surgery. Like they're always going to try and just get get theirs and make sure that the other people have as little as possible and make sure that the public system is funded as poorly as possible. So I think we got to go just Medicare for all period free at the point of service. Um, I think that's the way to go because if you have a two tiered system, they're always going to make sure their side is better. Why does everyone think that the minute raising the minimum wage is bad? Well, because either it's because they would have to pay their employees more or they've been tricked by somebody else who doesn't want to pay their employees more. What do you use on foreign policy? For example, Iran. Honestly, I think we probably we we probably provoke a lot of conflicts, right? The US the US really kind of likes to get into it, you know? We kind of got into it with Iran at the beginning of 2020. Uh, I feel like we should be focusing on development more, though, because if you're really worried about terrorism, if you're really worried about, like, extremism and, like, this threat brewing abroad, what you should be doing is making sure that these countries are, like, secure and stable because developed democracies have a pretty low risk of uh you know developing insurgencies especially ones that are going to like come after you so if we really cared about promoting stability on the world stage i think we would actually be pursuing a lot more development right we would be helping these countries get on their feet and making sure that everyone there has basic services so if i was in charge of foreign policy i would probably focus a lot more on making sure that nations in like the global south can actually develop um you know reason on a reasonable time scale and make sure that they're you know developing along democratic lines uh instead what we do is uh we kind of just play whack-a-mole right uh some there there's you know insurgents in syria we go in there we blow up a bunch of buildings uh, we slap a band-aid on it and we say, you're welcome. All of your children are now going to have birth defects for 25 years because of the depleted uranium shells that uh, we used to counter the insurgency. Uh, that's not the way to do it. That makes a lot of en enemies, right? Every civilian that you kill in like a foreign war zone, their family now hates your guts. And so we need to really be limiting that. Uh, not like, not just because for the obvious reason that it's totally immoral to do that, because it's just bad strategy. That's not a, like a, a way for sustainable development. What do you think about canceling student loan debt? Honestly, as far as like programs go, Free college and that kind of thing is kind of low on my priority list. I'm way more focused on healthcare. If I could choose one, I'd definitely go with healthcare. Um, 
I mean, that would be nice, I guess, but like, just think about it, right? What are we going to use to cancel that student loan debt? Tax dollars. Tax dollars come from everyone. And then whose loans are we forgiving? People with college degrees, right? People with student loans. So you're taking money from everyone to pay back for people who have college degrees who are disproportionately wealthier. So it's almost like a regressive policy in a way because you're taking away from you know, the general populace to give away, to give to this subset of the populace who has college degrees and therefore tend to earn more. So not, not a massive fan of it. I do think we should, we should probably try and uh, make education as cheap as possible though. That, that's definitely a good thing. Um, And I was talking about this last night, but I think maybe a way to go would be for uh, community colleges to be free. I'd also love to see vocational training and like trade schools become more affordable because that's what we really need, right? We don't necessarily need like English majors right now. Uh, What we need is welders and electricians and scientists and doctors and and colonists, right? We're about to make a huge leap into space and we need practical trades for this. So I think we need to be prioritizing stuff like that because we're going to need that practical stuff to make this next step. In order to have a leftist president, we need to vote in as many leftists as possible. Again, man, uh, I agree, right? Of course, we should be voting for candidates who you know, support our views. But a lot of people really tend to see electoral politics as the only way for progress. That's not really necessarily a good way to think about that. We need to be building power through other ways. And the national level too is the hardest to secure, right? You're not necessarily going to be able to to just jump straight up to a national level. We need to build this from the ground up. 2020 showed that the left does not have that much power. Because what did they do? Uh, Bernie looked like he might win. Suddenly, all the moderates dropped out, all endorsed Biden. They immediately fell in line. Biden wins. And then what do all the Sanders people do? Most of them, the vast majority of them, just go vote for Biden right? So what pressure are we really exerting there? I, uh, we're, we don't have any power right now. That's the short answer. So thinking we can just vote for senators and like house representatives off the rip and get anything close to like actionable political powers, I don't know, maybe a bit optimistic. Was the, was what happened on January 6th, the Capitol building thing, was that a riot or an insurrection? Hmm. Honestly, I don't know if it's necessarily super useful to try and like spend a lot of mental energy parsing out exactly like what the right thing to call it is because 
it's it happened right and um i think that trying to be like oh is it a riot is it an insurrection like how should we feel about this that's just wasting a lot of energy but i will say the idea that this was like a some sort of like grand like master plan like insurrection against the u.s government i don't i don't buy that i don't buy that it wasn't some like masterminded plot they thought it was though that's the that's the thing that you need to remember though is they thought it was uh some kind of they thought it was like the storm right because that's like the q thing they thought oh shit this is it's happening right they thought when they barged in there trump was gonna be there with like you know like the marines or whatever be like thanks guys we'll take it from here and then i don't know you know install like a a a military dictatorship with him at the helm or, or whatever like weird fantasy they have in their head for how this thing was gonna play out obviously that didn't happen but yeah no i think probably a lot of them really thought this is gonna be it what it really was was just uh it was just letting off steam. That's what they were doing. They were, you know, yeah. I I think it it kind of served this a similar purpose that like protests over the summer serve for people. Now, obviously, I'm not equivocating these things. Uh, the protests over the summer were obviously needed and for a good reason. Uh, but. And and what happened on January 6th was stupid. So I'm not saying they're like morally comparable. I'm saying for like a certain segment of the population, they served like a similar like psychic purpose, right? They served as like an, uh, a pressure release valve. Because when people felt that they were being, you know, like holy shit like their their rights are being taken away like police brutality is out of control the protests were a way for them to express that and kind of let it out again good thing like those protests needed to happen and then the the flip side of that is uh you know you're a rabid right winger you've been fed facebook posts for months talking about how you know joe biden is like a satanic like baby killer or whatever uh, and then he loses, Trump loses. What? How could this happen? Your world is shattered, but you still hold faith. They're going to do it eventually, right? And then the Capitol building served as like a release moment of energy for them to like, ah, we're finally going to go in and like take it into our own hands. And yeah, then when they got inside, they, they stayed in the ropes. That was the hilarious thing. Like, You'd think once they stormed in, they would start like lighting the place on fire. They just kind of walked around. They just kind of milled around. And then some of them tried to go too far and the person got shot. Uh, Just crazy. Do you ever get sad when looking at your life through a capitalist lens? Like, damn. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, here's the thing, right? Then this is what kind of like, this is what kind of brought me over to like, being anti-capitalist is if you really think like 
just from an economic standpoint, what am I supposed to value? Like, if I was really just living exactly the way that they wanted me to, what kind of things would I be thinking about? What kind of things would I value? And it's really depressing, right? I would just be... I, I wouldn't be a happy person if I was just trying to maximize my economic benefit and act like a, a rational, self-interested consumer in the marketplace. Like, this stuff doesn't promote human happiness. It doesn't lead to human flourishing. It's, it's antithetical to the human spirit when you're 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 thinking that way and unfortunately market thinking has pervaded every aspect of our lives um especially especially recently it's like everything you know like everything is supposed to be like a calculation of like how you can get ahead you know um i voted for biden because trump's a fascist hmm is trump a fascist that's an interesting question I don't know. I mean, definitely bad, right? His administration did bad stuff. And I feel like it should be enough just to say he's bad. I don't know if we necessarily need to consider whether he's a fascist or not. I think a lot of people probably take the definition of fascism pretty loose, though. So I would be interested to hear why people would think that Trump would be a fascist. Because I do hear that a lot. And I'm not particularly convinced that he's, like, necessarily a, a fascist, you know. L like I said, his administration was bad and they did bad things, but I don't know if that makes somebody a fascist just because they're bad. One of the, th one of the things I found interesting about the capital situation was uh, I saw a lot of, like, conspiracy surrounding that because honestly it seemed like a lot of people in my life who were right wing were like really struggling with the cognitive dissonance of like fitting that situation in that in their head that that people actually were doing that like more than one person that that I know really claimed that like the capital situation was just antifa in disguise like they they actually said to me that they thought it wasn't actually Trump supporters there that day and that it was Antifa members disguised as Trump supporters to like make Trump look bad, I guess. I, I don't really know. I don't really know why Antifa would be doing that, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of worrying. Like you, it's kind of worrying to see it, you know, because it seemed to be kind of a common thing. I just think it's because it was such a huge event, probably a lot of people who uh, couldn't couldn't square that in their head, so they had to invent something else, like, ah, it can't be, it's Antifa. Yeah, also, the election fraud thing. They, they always will be like, oh, like, this election was rigged against Trump, which, first of all, that's hilarious. That's exactly exactly what the democrats said when trump won so it seems like from now on whichever side loses is just gonna complain about the election being rigged or stolen for a couple years before they just kind of accept it right 
it like if you remember how annoying it was to go through that whole like Russian collusion probe or whatever and that ended up going nowhere if Republicans take back you know like the House and the Senate in 2022 which there's a good chance they will you can bet there's going to be you know investigation into like Hugo Chavez, Dominion voting machines, the, the China connection, like Biden is in their pockets or whatever. You can bet that's going to happen. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that in, in a few years. Um, and also it's like, yeah, maybe there was fraud, but there's fraud on both sides in every election because our election system kind of sucks, right? I don't think that it was necessarily orchestrated against Trump to deliver Biden the victory. I just think our election system is pretty bad. So if you look for voter fraud or for voter suppression, you're probably going to find it. You're probably going to find it because in a country with 300 million people, there's bound to be some cases of that. There's going to be some counties that are just bad at doing elections. How do you cheer yourself up knowing you're entrapped into the capitalist system? Look, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, the world is not perfect, right? There's bad stuff going on. You just got to focus on the stuff that you can change, right? Your local community and the people in your circle that you know and you can affect. Um I find having a hobby helps too. Uh, I've taken up drawing recently. I've like been doing a little sketching, uh, you know, reading and stuff like that. You just gotta cultivate kind of a, an inner peace and be able to make peace with the things you can't change and engage in debate with your viewers. Uh, dude, I'm kind of I'm kind of done with debating, man. Like I had my debating days in high school. I was on the debate team. I I don't think debate is really a productive way to get to get to the truth because think about it. When you're debating with somebody, you're engaging the logical part of their brain. Then their automatic thing is to be in defense mode, right? Their brain is working overtime to think of ways to counter what you just said. So that's going to dig them in deeper. You got to appeal to them at an emotional level. You kind of got to slip in under their radar. So I don't really like that approach. I don't like to try and debate and like win arguments because the only people that are going to acknowledge whether you win an argument or not are going to be people who already tend to agree with you. I don't think debates really change anybody's mind. Certainly not the people debating, right? Uh, their minds are definitely not getting changed because for, because for a person debating to change their mind, they would have to admit they're wrong. And that's extremely hard for a human to do. That's one of the most painful things ever is just like, yeah, no, I, I was wrong. Like, uh, my ideas were stupid. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to admit that they messed up and they were an idiot. So debate, I don't think, is a productive way to get to, get to the truth or to persuade people. 
Maybe we'd have videos of right-wing people getting owned if leftists were actually educated. It's not a matter of education, man. I mean, obviously, if you know more statistics, you're going to be able to, like, pull it out more. But really what it is, is having snappy arguments. You got to have, like, almost, like, catchphrase-style arguments. They're really good at this, right? The right is really good at having things they can pull out. You know, what do you always hear? Oh, Venezuela. They always have that they can pull out of their back pocket. Oh, yeah? Well, what about Venezuela, right? Even if it's stupid, they have like this snappy thing. And then the average person is like, oh, Venezuela, what do I know about that? Oh, uh, here things aren't going bad, aren't going good there. That's a socialist country. I don't want socialism. So I don't think it's really a matter of getting educated. I think it's just a matter of uh, having better rhetoric skills, being more persuasive. So if you're trying to like own people, I wouldn't hit the books, you know, I would just think of like catchy things to like say that like people will, you know, repeat. Um, That's how you kind of, that's how you kind of, and it's like, yeah, Ben Shapiro really sets himself up to like own these people because he'll go to places where like, you know, he, he goes to colleges. He's not going to like, like a finance, you know, like an academic institution, or he's not like going to colleges to like engage with the professors. He goes, you know, he'll set, he'll set it up. And then they hand off the mic to somebody who's like already crying when they're asking their question. And then he'll just say them, say something snappy. Everyone in the audience who already agrees with him will just, Oh, like they'll be like the, they'll be his studio audience. And he gets to just smirk and then like (laughs) next question. Would popular do populist candidates like Trump have so much popularity because there there's no workers party? Yeah, right. Like Trump was able to tap into like populist sentiment, however disingenuous that was. Right, he's not a real populist. He he did he never cared about like bringing jobs back or whatever he like claimed to claim to be all about. But like, um, he did at least pay lip service to those ideas, which was more than Hillary ever really did. So I think that's one of the, one of the reasons for his success was, yeah, he was able to at least like mime towards populism, whereas Hillary wouldn't even do that, you know? Yeah, it's like, yeah, no, Ben Shapiro will go to college. Like he debates like 19 year olds. Like I'm 19. I'm no... I'm no intellectual genius. Now, if I had time to prepare, I think I could probably ask a question that uh that would would throw him for a loop, but something tells me that they like screen those people ahead of time. And like if you look, like the people who were like like holding who were like uh you know, in charge of the Q&A, they hold the mic out to the person asking the question. They don't even like give them the mic. So I get the sense that if somebody were to go off the rails a little bit, uh, they would just yank it from them. They would just yank the mic from them and just like, uh, also another really funny thing about Shapiro. If you watch moments where he actually like loses his cool, it's the funniest thing ever. Uh, 
the Andrew Neil interview on the BBC, uh, this British dude basically just slow cooks him, right? Because Ben Shapiro's style is he talks really fast. He goes through points. He cites data. You know, in a minute, he can cite like five statistics, lay out like three different arguments. And it's like <laughs> that would take forever to like go through that and like explain why every point every one of those points is wrong i think it's called like the gish gallop or whatever but i'm not going to use that word like that phrase because it sounds stupid uh so they counter him like this dude uh that was interviewing him this andrew neil guy just like pretty easily countered him by just slowing him down right like making him explain himself when he was going through his points and you can see him get flustered and eventually he's like um i'm famous and no one's ever heard of you he said those exact words like (laughs) he really lost his cool it was so hilarious to see and that was the moment where i lost all respect for him because before that i was like all right he may not be right but he at least like he at least had something going for him and then after that interview i was like wow this dude is a total fraud. He goes up and the, against this guy. This guy is asking him like simple questions and he's getting offended and he's losing his cool. Like he's totally losing his cool. Uh, so yeah, he's not like a smart guy. Uh, he loses his cool. Steven Crowder too, in the change my mind thing, that dude loves to like... Uh, that dude loves to like, you know, his, his change my mind thing is he loves to pretend he's all like fair and like even about it. And honestly, I do find those videos kind of interesting, but much like Shapiro, I have no doubt that he curates those, right? Because there might be like three or four interviews per change my mind video. I feel like they probably are doing like 15 interviews and then they select like the the stupidest the stupidest sounding person like the three stupidest people who made the dumbest arguments right the ones that he wins the most easily and then put those up so it's like oh like this is the left right you know because that's a classic trick you you just it's not exactly a straw man but you represent your opponents by their stupidest arguments so i'm sure what he does and maybe i'm wrong Maybe he's giving a fair hearing to these people and what you see is exactly what you get. But somehow I doubt that, right? I'm thinking what he does, he sets up his little stand. You see the lines in those videos. There's like 40 people lined up to to get on with this guy. So I'm sure he has a lot of material to work with. And then he finds the stupidest, you know, arguments, the people who are the least rational, the people who get hot-headed or who insult him. Uh, And then maybe even if somebody goes by on the street and is like, you suck, dude. Just like, like, as they walk by, just laughing at him. Then he can cut that in like, oh, so much for the tolerant left. That's just cherry on the top for him, you know? Uh, Yeah, selective editing. It It works wonders because you can control exactly what people are seeing and you're ostensibly presenting a fair view of the other side 
but really what you're presenting is a selectively edited compilation of the weakest arguments that these people present. Uh, Crowder loses his mind as soon as someone makes a solid point. Yeah, I don't even remember what video it was on. I don't know how to find it. If somebody knows what I'm talking about, please DM me and send me a link. Uh, but there was one where the dude was actually making like some solid points. And like I said, I, I don't remember what issue it was even on. But he flips out on the guy. Because, uh, like, I, yeah, I don't remember what the guy said. He, but he was like, yeah, he, he, he basically got... He got, to use their term, triggered by this dude. He got owned by facts and logic, literally. Uh, because this dude was actually making some, like, genuine points. Uh, oh, yeah, I think the guy used the word shill, and that set him off. Like, it was something stupid like that that's just not a big deal. And then he just, he flipped out. Um Uh, Crowder does lose his cool with a black artist and threatens to call the cops. Yeah, I don't know if that's the one I was just talking about. It might be. But yeah, no, if anybody has a link to that, definitely send it to me. Because that was hilarious. <laughs> you are a tool, son, of the coming social change in the U.S. and then world hegemony. Catch you in five years. Hmm. Uh, not sure what that's supposed to mean. I'm interested, though. Tell me more about the coming social change in the U.S. and then world hegemony. Like, I'm honestly curious. I don't know. I think they do. I think the dude's gone. So we may never get to hear the brilliant plan for a change in U.S. and then world hegemony because I I don't know. I I'm interested. You know, I wanted really wanted to hear him out. I wanted to figure out what was up with. Uh, with uh, with all this stuff, and I don't know what catch you in five years is supposed to mean. I I don't know if that's a threat or if he's like. Anyway, we'll we'll go ahead and move on from that. Uh, you think the only way that socialism can be accomplished is by totalitarian governments? No, it's the opposite. Actually, socialism is inherently democratic. Vladimir Lenin once said that democracy is indispensable to socialism. Um, and I think that's absolutely true. Socialism is a, dem is a democratizing process, right? It's democratizing the workplace. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that people, they really got to have their rights, right? Which is good. But then they go into work and it's like, yeah, uh, my boss literally controls when I can go take a piss. Like Amazon workers are literally peeing in bottles because they can't take a break. And it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Somehow people are just like, yeah, of course I need to vote. Of course I need my First Amendment rights. What? Oh, you can get fired for uh, criticizing your boss on Facebook? Yeah, that's cool to me. I don't see any problem with that. Oh, I don't get any say in how my workplace is run? Yep, that's fine with me. And I... I I don't see anything uh, wrong with that. There's no problem with that in my mind. Um, also, 
Okay, okay. I was just talking about how Vladimir Lenin said that so that that uh, democracy is indispensable to socialism. I was watching a Steven Crowder video the other day where he was talking about how much socialism sucks, uh, paid for by the oil lobbying industry. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's actually funded by oil lobbying, but I'm sure he's. I'm sure if you dug deep into how he's funded, you would find some interesting stuff. Anyway. Steven Crowder brought up that, that Lenin quote about how democracy is indispensable to socialism, using it as in as if he was saying that democracy is like dispensable for socialism. Like he he didn't know what indispensable meant. <laughs> he didn't know what the word meant. Either that or he was being intentionally misleading. Either way, I don't see how anybody finds that guy credible. Riddle me this, if, why is the sun round if the earth is flat? Dog. Okay, I'm definitely going to get killed by the CIA for saying this, but I got to be brave and tell the people, this, the sun is it's flat too. The sun is also flat. They don't want you to know this. They don't, you didn't hear this from me. The sun is flat as well. <laughs> yeah, the whole flat earth thing is so funny to me because it's like, who the fuck cares? Like, <laughs> what? Why would they be hiding the fact that the earth is flat from us? Who cares enough about that to like really do that conspiracy? And like millions of people probably would have to be in on that, right? Like all everyone who works at NASA pretty much, every like astronomer uh, who like studies the night sky, like pretty much anybody who's been in, the, in an airplane or a hot air balloon would have to be in on it. Right. Uh, why would they be hiding the fact that the earth is flat from us? Uh, I actually knew a guy who was a flat earther in eighth grade. Uh, he also claimed that, uh, that like past Antarctica, there was like other, like regions we hadn't explored yet like a whole other like earth uh that we we just hadn't seen you know perhaps the the avatar people were there even maybe i don't know you know maybe the blue avatar people uh would be in that that other realm and it's yeah it's interesting i just don't know what i'm still trying to make sense of the flat earth thing as like a psychological phenomenon um, I'm thinking maybe it's just like people want to believe that there's something else other than just like this totalizing like consumer matrix you know there's some grand conspiracy being hidden from us that like if it were just revealed everything would make sense based hollow earth oh the hollow earth dog <laughs> man that is some real that is some real shit, bro. All of these like flat earth, hollow earth, rat like earth, you know, whatever, cubic earth theories is, are all like premised on the fact that like there's something like there's a part of the earth we haven't explored yet, right? And so if I'm just like analyzing what what psychologically makes people 
fall for that theory. Part of me thinks maybe it's like a desire for there to be something more out there, right? Like people are naturally want to explore and, and the fact that like there's nothing left to explore on the earth like is just disappointing and boring for them. They they need something to like spice up their life that there's some supernatural like extra realm they haven't, you know, we haven't discovered yet. Part of me also uh, thinks maybe it's about like the 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 drive of capitalism to you know just grind through the earth right so it's like oh maybe there's a whole nother rainforest we can burn through you know maybe maybe it's people coping with the fact that um this is actually just our only earth and we're just burning through it and like torching all the resources and like just strip mining it for everything it's got and if they can hold in their heads that there's some like mystical other realm, right? There's a there's more in there's more inside the earth, right? There's like it's hollow and there's another world in there. It's layered and there's a bunch of other worlds below and above us. Uh, it's flat and there's areas around Antarctica that we haven't discovered yet. Then it's like, hey, we still got time, right? We're not just like ruining the earth, right? Because there's more that we haven't seen. No. No, unfortunately, there's not. You only get one Earth. Produced in cooperation with the Central Intelligence Agency.